Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this weekly live scripture program. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You're hearing us on EWTN, and it's a wonderful privilege to be a part of EWTN programming. Uh, This particular program uh, is a, uh, a style in which I invite a guest to join us to discuss a verse that they never saw, a verse that awakened them through the work of the Holy Spirit to to uh, kind of, for some people, hit them on the side of the head with a two-by-four type of an awakening to help them see in a deeper way the meaning of Scripture and bring them in a deeper walk with Christ and to a deeper appreciation of His church. And so in many ways, that's the purpose of Deep in Scripture. Um, The idea behind this program really comes about because, uh, kind of based on an idea that John Henry Cardinal Newman said in his book on the essay and development of doctrine, he said to become deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. And I I have found in my own journey of faith that would be so true. Uh, The more I studied history along with scripture, along with philosophy and theology, the more deeply I began to recognize the the, uh, shakiness of my own Protestant background and discovered the beauties of the Catholic faith and so one of the themes of the Coming Home Network International became this uh, idea of being deep in history, deep in Scripture, and therefore deeper in Christ. And so our regular conferences we do in the fall are focused on being deep in history. But this program was taking that other part of that uh, phrase, deep in Scripture, and recognizing that in fact, in the same token that I believe to be true, following Newman's statement, that I believe to be deep in Scripture is to cease to be Protestant and to recognize the fullness of the Catholic faith. We try and demonstrate that in this program, along with the Journey Home program that I host every week on EWTN. But our guest this week on Deep in Scripture is Gail Buckley. She is returning to uh, the air for me. She was a guest on the Journey Home program. This is the second time I've had a chance to to interview her, and it's a great privilege to have her join us on uh, Deep in Scripture. Uh, She is very much involved with Scripture. On our website, deepinscripture.com, besides a photo of Gail, uh, you also see her bio. And let me read that for you, those of you that don't have access to the internet. Gail Buckley is the founder and president of Catholic Scripture Study International. CSS, as it is better known, has thousands of members in every state of the U.S. and in 40 countries. So this particular scripture study program that uh, Gail founded uh, is, is world-reaching. It's, it's, you know, I, I just thank God for what she's doing with that work. In addition to managing CSS, Gail serves as the board of directors of Catholics United for the Faith, as well as steering committee of the Catholic Leadership Conference. And, um, I mean, she's just involved in a lot of different things. She's a convert to Catholicism from the Methodist Church. Gail was received into the Catholic Church in 1994. A year later, her husband Tom entered the church as well. Gail has been a speaker at several national Catholic conferences and a featured guest on many Catholic radio shows, including Catholic Answers Live, Ave Maria Radio, Catholic Connection, and, and, and the list goes on. She's been on the Journey Home program as well as a number of other EWTN programs. Um, and in May 2009, she was invited to the 
Vatican for a private audience with Pope Benedict the 16th, where she presented him with a CSS study. I'm jealous, Gail, but God bless you for that. And uh, uh, it's just great to have you on the program. I'll have you join you after break. The scriptures that Gail has chosen are three, one from Matthew, one from Ezekiel, one from Joel. She'll talk in a moment why she chose these particular scriptures. Uh, let me read them for you. We'll take a break and then ask Gail to join us. The first is Matthew eighteen twelve, when Jesus says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? Second verse she chose for us comes from Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then thirdly, a verse from Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I will restore to you the years which the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Next time on Life on the Rock. You've graduated from high school and you're ready to move on. But where do you go to find a solid Catholic education? Find out when Dr. Dominic Aquila joins Doug and Father Mark to talk about the University of St. Thomas. That's on the next Life on the Rock, here on EWTN. Life on the Rock is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this weekly program. And our guest this week is Gail Buckley. Hello, Gail. How are you doing? Hi, Marcus. Great to be with you again. Well, it's great to have you on the program. And uh, it's been a while. Yes. And uh, uh, it's just great to have you here. And especially, it makes all the sense in the world. I don't know why I didn't have you on earlier. This is a Scripture program, and that's your life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, if you would, I'd love to, you to take just a moment to let the audience know, uh, you know, what projects you're working now with Catholic scripture, scripture Study. Okay, well, as I was mentioned to you earlier, we're working on a, a CSS study Bible right now, and a study Bible meaning that we'll have the revised uh, standard version of the Catholic edition of the Bible, but we're going to insert extra Bible study resources and tools into it, like apologetics things and typology and some charts and maps and beautiful stained glass pictures and things like that that will be helpful to have it all together in one place in the Bible so that you won't have to go and get other books to look these things up. So I'm very excited about that. That's um, 
something that I'd been wanting to do for years, and I was approached uh, five years ago by a publishing company, St. Benedict Press, who asked me to help them put together something. And um, it took three years to get the permission to use the revised standard version, but we got that and been working on it for the last couple of years. And Excellent. hope to have that out this summer. If the audience wants to uh, find out more about it, where should they go? They should check our website. Right now we don't have anything up there, but we should have something up there in the next couple of weeks on cssprogram.net. All right. Catholic Scripture Study, cssprogram.net. And just to let you know, um, if you go to the deepinscripture.com website, just below uh, Gail's bio, there is a direct link to her site which will take you to her site. It's got all kinds of great stuff there right. about her program. Uh, uh, looks like some some television videos immediately are there on the program. So, um, you know, please I encourage the audience to do that. Uh, and thank you, Gail, for joining us. Now you chose, um, a, a, you know, a new, a new Testament passage, a couple Old Testament passages, just in general. You know, why these passages? What was significant about these in your own life? Well, actually, the Lord actually picked these uh, passages out. Um, the first one, uh, the Gospel, is um, he spoke to me and and quoted um, or paraphrased uh-huh. something from that. And then the other two, after my conversion, he led me to those to give me an idea of what was going on in my life um, and what was going on with me, which I didn't understand at the time. All right. Excellent. Well, let's look at that first passage, Matthew eighteen twelve, And I, I've got to tell the audience right up, up front that uh, I have also a particular affinity for this passage, though maybe in a different way oh, yeah? than, than you okay. do, Gail. And the reason is because I raise sheep. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I knew you had a farm. I didn't know you had sheep. <laughs> I have a, you know, I'm the worst farmer that ever lived. <laughs> I wish I had even a fraction of the knowledge of those good FFA kids, because uh, I don't have any background in farming, but I just happen <laughs> to live on a farm now. But we raise sheep, and I've learned a lot about some of the things Jesus taught by having my own sheep. Um, So let me read this passage again to the audience. Matthew 18, 12. Uh, Jesus says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? So talk about this, Gail. What was there about this verse that the Lord used to awaken you? And how did it happen? Well, what had happened, um, Marcus, is that well, I think, you know, on your show I mentioned that when I was 15 I made a promise to God that I would never abandon him, I would never follow the Antichrist, because I'd heard a sermon in the Methodist Church about that, and uh-huh. I couldn't believe that people in the latter days would leave Jesus and follow the Antichrist. And so I made a promise I wouldn't do that, but I quickly fell away from that, and um, over the next many years, 30 years, um, I was living a worldly life, and um, I had gotten very far away from God, and um, was... Yeah, I was really sinful, and um, one day, or, or over a period of few months anyway, I'd, I kept hearing a voice in my head, and I thought I was going crazy, and one day, I guess it was just uh, my spirit knew that it was the Lord speaking to me, and uh, out of my mouth, when I heard this, something said again, I, out loud I said, why do you even bother with me? Because I felt so lost, I felt like there was no way I could, that the Lord would accept me back you know, because I had become such a sinner. And um, I heard him speak to me, and he said, wouldn't I leave my 99 sheep and go after the one that strayed? (laughs) And I know that most of your listeners and most Catholics, and I think that 
Protestants all know the Bible upside down and backwards, but as a Protestant at that time, and I'd been away from church for a long time, I had not been practicing even in my Protestant faith, um, I didn't know Scripture at all, really. I knew the, the basic children's stories, but I really didn't have any sense of salvation history or anything about how the Bible was put together or anything. And But I knew, even though I didn't know that that was from Scripture, I knew that was the Lord speaking to me. And it was the next night when I finally, out of desperation, because I found that I couldn't fill that hole in my soul <laughs> with material things, you know, things of the world, I fell on my knees and I prayed and said, ask the Lord to take over my life. And um, that's when he led me to the other two scriptures. All right. Well, the... Let me uh, expand on that Matthew passage okay. a little bit from the position of a lousy shepherd, which is what I am. <laughs> I'm not the great shepherd, I'm a lousy shepherd. Because one thing I remember back when I used to preach on this passage as a Protestant minister, something that always puzzled me was I couldn't agree more that 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 God would do this, you know, that he would care about the individual. Mm-hmm. But the idea of a shepherd leaving the 99 untended, to go look for one always bothered me. And as, as a person that has sheep right now, I just have six, you know, so uh, a small flock, they're all bred. So come May, I'm going to have maybe 12. We'll see. But um, if, if this happened, if I lost one of my sheep, there's no question that I wouldn't say, well, I've still got five who cares about the sixth one. Okay. In other words, of course I care about that sixth sheep, and I would go look for it. I wouldn't just say, well, I've only lost one out of six. That's that's a good average. No, every single one. And I would go after it. But what I think Jesus's audience assumed, which I think is an important thing for the audience now to hear, is that the audience who were farmers, people of the country, knew that the shepherd leaving the 99 would not leave them without care. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't just abandon the 99 to the wolves, to no fences, to no care, to go after the one. He made he would make sure that those 99 were protected. The point is that God cares about every individual. He doesn't only care about a group or a culture. I, and I know that myself. I could go out and look for my lost sheep because I'm quite sure that those remaining five are within the fences. There's no dogs that can get to them. There's somebody else helping me. And I, I think that is a, to me was always a message of God cares for the individual, but he doesn't neglect the rest of us while he's caring for the individual. He continues to care for all of us all the time. Which, Gail, when you, think, when you think about it, is a major miracle in itself. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I've often, uh, you know, thought about how, how miraculous the Eucharist is, uh, that we can look on the bread and the wine and, and say, no, that's really Jesus. Oh, yeah. But yet, Gail, it's also a miracle, which you discovered in this passage, that God, infinite though he is, cares about every individual, including you when you were lost you know in and i know you've probably seen those pictures of um the sheep that's down like on the on the ledge of Mm -hmm. the mountain or something and jesus is leaning over and 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 capturing it you know to keep it from falling off the ledge 
And that is so, I can really identify with that, too. I don't know how many yeah. in your audience have seen those pictures, but I've seen that picture before, and I can really identify with that because I really feel like I was just right on the preface. Uh, I was right on the edge of the pit of hell. You know, I had gone so straight, so far away from him that I really felt that I, that I couldn't come back and that I was completely lost. And Jesus just leaned over that ledge and pulled me up and, and held me in his arms and embraced me. And it's just incredible and amazing that I didn't know Scripture then, but, you know, after reading that, I could certainly identify with that. And it was so clear that's what he had done for me. Gail, when you look back on your own conversion, coming back really to Jesus at that point, mm-hmm. um, you said that you really thought you couldn't even come back, like you're out on the precipice. Wow. And I'm wondering if it was a part of that was because of a lifestyle that you had become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Conversion would mean also changing your character in the relationship with the people around you. And sometimes that's the hardest for us to change. Exactly. Exactly. And when I told you that I'd heard his voice, um, when I heard him say that, even though I wasn't familiar with that Bible verse, and I, I knew it was the Lord, I knew he was speaking to me, and I really, that day when I heard that, I ignored it. And I, for those exact reasons, in hindsight, I look back on that and think, oh my gosh, I ignored the Creator <laughs> of the universe, my Lord and Savior, and tried to put that out of my mind. I don't think it was so much because I thought I was losing my mind, because I really think I recognized, just like you said, you know, the sheep, you know, we recognized the Master's voice. Mm-hmm. We, I knew it was Him, but I think it was because in my soul I was thinking I would have to change, like you said. I would have to change my life completely. I would have to, you know, really convert, and I didn't know if I was ready for that. But <laughs> the next night was when I fell on my knees and I'd like come to the end of myself, realizing that I could do nothing without him. And that's when I went through my conversion experience. All right. Now, the next verse, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we'll look at your next passage, which is Ezekiel. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Okay. Let's take a break and we'll come back and look at Ezekiel 36, 26. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Don't miss the good fight this Saturday. Our saint is the incomparable St. Patrick, Apostle of Ireland, and our future saint is another Patrick, Patrick McChrystal of Dublin, answering all the hard questions regarding contraception. That's The Good Fight, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Good Fight comes to you live each Saturday, only on EWTN Radio. For times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I'm joined today by Gail Buckley. Gail, before I I bring you back on, I just wanted to make an announcement here to the radio audience. We've got some new members of our EWTN radio family, which I'd like to uh, uh, announce and welcome. WVUS 
11.90 a.m. in Grafton, West Virginia. Congratulations to Bob Carubia, Peter Deal, and the staff at Light of Life Community. They're on the air now with Catholic Radio for Northern Western Virginia. And also like to welcome KHJM, Hearts of Jesus and Mary, 89.1 FM in Dexter, Missouri. Another signal is now added to Covenant Network's radio apostolate. Congratulations to Tony and, and Teresa Holman and their staff at Covenant. Dexter, Missouri is located in southeast Missouri, reaching into Stoddard, New Madrid, and Mississippi counties. So welcome to the EWTN radio family. All right, Gail, um, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. Let me read that. Okay. Great verse, great verse. Yeah. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yeah. Uh, talk about that, Gail. Was that before you started your scripture study, or was that oh, yeah, in the process? Yeah. Uh, several years before. Um, like I said, I went through this conversion, and the first thing the Lord did was lead me to the Bible. And um, I had several Bibles around the house, but they were all accumulating dust. I hadn't really um, <laughs> looked at them. You know, I'd pick up one every once in a while to maybe look up a verse to put in a letter or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, the Lord just really supernaturally led me to Scripture, and um, open, I opened um I can't explain how it happened, but he led me directly to this verse, and just that verse, um, not to the rest of the passage or anything, but Mm -hmm. just directly to that verse. And when I read it, I just started crying because he not only led me to it, but he he illuminated my mind and my heart to understand what he was saying to me. He spoke to me directly through this, telling me this is what had happened to me because I had woken up the day after I said that prayer that I couldn't take uh, that I wanted him to take over my life. I'd gone to bed that night not feeling anything. The next morning I woke up and I was just filled with the Holy Spirit. And this love and peace and joy was just radiating from me. And I was a new person. And um, so when I went to the scripture, I knew exactly what had happened to me. Because I truly felt like he had taken out my old heart that was this, had <laughs> layers of tartar and sin on it, and was actually really hard and black. And he had given me a new, like, I felt like I had a baby's heart that was pure and soft and and just very beautiful, you know, and without any blemish on it, and that he'd given me a new start. And I really felt like that. It even changed my outlook on things. I remember going outside and picking up acorns and looking at them and just thinking how wonderful God is and that he created this and all the beauty of the earth and things that I had not looked at that like that since I'd been a child. You know, it was just wonderful. Uh, I wonder if you could uh, expand on that even more, uh, Gail, because, you know, one of the verses in the New Testament that seems to be a confirmation of what the prophet Ezekiel was pointing ahead to, mm-hmm. we hear in Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17, when Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. I mean, that's exactly what Ezekiel said would happen. Exactly. And I want you to expand a little bit, specifically speaking to our audience about how do we understand this from a Catholic perspective? I mean, from a from a non-Catholic perspective, people can sometimes think, it's just Jesus and me. And right. when I accepted Jesus, I'm a new creation, and that's all that matters. But from a Catholic perspective, we recognize there's really more to that. Oh, that, absolutely, yes. And, you know, at the time, you know, it was he was taking me one day at a time. He was very, 
careful with me and very, um, you know, it just, he took me one step at a time, like baby steps, almost like he did with the Israelites, you know, teaching them over and over again. And um, so he led me to his church later, and um, that was a wonderful thing. But it was, you know, it wasn't just me and Jesus, but he he just changed my whole life. So it not only changed me, but it made a whole difference in my whole family, because I was a new person. And um, before this happened, I was ready to leave my husband. I thought that, you know, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. I didn't know what was going to make me happy. I was blaming my husband. I was blaming circumstances around me. And when I changed, it changed the whole scenario around me because the way I felt and the way I was uh, perceived, you know, I was trying to change them. But really God changed me so that I saw them in a new light. And then they saw me in a new light, and it just uh, it changed our whole family life, and that it spans out into the whole family of Christ. Um, I, and people that I was around saw a new creation. I was influ- influential to them because, you know, you can't just change yourself like that. Yeah. It, they they saw that this was truly a miracle that I had really changed, and that, you know, all of a sudden I was offended by dirty jokes and uh, foul language <laughs> and things like that. Whereas, you know, before that didn't bother me, but I had the Holy Spirit living within me. And, some, you know, I even lost some friends that didn't want to be around me because I was like <laughs> this new goody-two-shoes, you know, oh, that um, had yep. found God, and they, you know, they didn't think I was funny anymore. And it wasn't that my personality had changed, but, um, you know, priorities, God... Priorities, for one thing, had changed. Yeah. Priorities had changed. I, That's right. You know, I, I remember when I went through that kind of conversion when I was in college, um, and it was a completely work of grace, and I had gone from three years of not even entering a church to overnight being a, a totally changed person. Exactly. Just like you're talking about. Exactly. But I wonder, did this happen to you too? Because it took me a while to appreciate my conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it took me many years to appreciate what was happening in that conversion because um, what I realized was that the graces that I had received many, many years before in baptism had been dormant, and through that conversion had been awakened by the Holy Spirit, and then kind of empowered. In other words, the the, the graces of the sacraments were always there. Uh, it's almost like, remember in, in The Wizard of Oz, right? When, when, when in the end of the thing, um, Dorothy wants to go home, and the and the the good witch says, "Well, you've always you've always had it there. Just right. click your shoes together." Mm-hmm. We have the graces of the sacraments. We don't always act on them, though. That's right. And uh, did you did you have a process of rediscovering that in your journey? Not really. You know, I had I, everybody I've talked to. I, I haven't come across anybody yet, and I'm sure there's others like me. But mine was so immediate and so profound. It was sort of like Saint Paul. You know, it was like. A, <laughs> overnight, boom, you know, I went from, you know, persecuting Christians to being one, you know, but I wasn't persecuting them, of course, but like St. Paul, it was just an instantaneous thing, and it was for me, and and I spent many days on my knees crying and repenting of the sins and all the things I had done to offend my Lord, and, um, you know, and, but I I didn't, you know, I understand what you're saying, absolutely, in hindsight, over the years, I've realized that that was the case, that this was something I always had. And Jesus was just waiting for me to come back to him. 
he was just waiting for me, like you said, to click my heels together <laughs> and come home. And um, in fact, I've had that sense when I said that prayer. I almost felt like I could hear him say, it's about time. I've been waiting for so long. I really felt like he had been patiently and mercifully waiting for many years for me to come to my senses and realize that I had this and I had strayed far from home. And now he was calling me back, and I finally heard him and finally returned. And and that can that uh, conversion can continue because of the yes. graces we constantly experience with the blessings of the church and the oh, uh, yes. and the sacraments. Uh, now, what about this uh, third verse that you've chose for us, the Joel passage? Let me read it, Joel chapter two twenty five, and which it says, uh, which, which seems at first reading to to be a little bit askew from the rest. Right. I will restore to you the years which the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. How did you know, that, how did that sneak up that on you? <laughs> a week, even a day before, or a week before my conversion. I would have thought, what in the world is that mean? I had no idea. <laughs> but even though it was in the context of the story, you know, how uh, that the Israelites had been scattered and they were living, you know, in other lands and, and, uh, and he was going to bring them back and restore the land to them and give them more than they'd ever had before, which is the context of that Testament, that Old Testament passage and all. He, what he was saying to me, he made it very clear to me that he was, what it meant to me was that he was going to make up for all the years that I had lived my life without him. The years that I was following the world, and in other words, the, the, the destroyer, the locust, the devil. I was following the ways of the world, which is the ways of the devil. And God was telling me that he was going to make up all those years that I had wasted and restore them to me. And again, I cried. I knew exactly what it meant. I had no idea how he was going to do it. It's like with Job, you know, and Job lost all his possessions and his friends and his family, and then it says that God restored all those things back to him. And, you know, you wonder how did he restore them. But <laughs> he really has restored those to me. He made up for all that time. He gave me a new life, uh, um, a new perception on life. And it's like those years her were just not wasted, but I can use them in witnessing to others who are living that way now. I keep made it so that I can use them in my new life to witness and to understand what other people are going through and where they are in their walk. What what got into you to start Catholic Scripture Studies? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't know what God, you know, I thought when he led me home to his Catholic Church, that was it. I thought, because he made it very clear, as I said on your Journey Home program, <laughs> he made it very clear I was supposed to become Catholic, and he led me to the Catholic Church. But I thought that was it. But soon after I became Catholic, he led me to um, Bible study. And... Um, uh, at the time, it was a Protestant Bible study he led me to, uh, but I, there was no doubt in my mind I was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. But I kept asking him, why, Lord, do you have me in this Protestant Bible study? You know, I'm going through RCIA to become Catholic, and at the same time, you want me to go to this Bible study. <laughs> and I just wouldn't get an answer, you know, I just didn't know, had no idea. And I stayed there for, oh, almost four years, three and a half years, and, um, and then he made it clear that I was supposed to leave. I still didn't know at that time, but then... Um, I started getting this, I can only explain it as a fire in my heart, and I knew it was the Lord, that he wanted me to um, to start a Bible study program in the Catholic Church. 
But I felt so unworthy. I mean, <laughs> after all, I was just now learning Scripture. I mean, and I have to say, the Lord really infused Scripture into me. It wasn't just what I learned in the Protestant Bible study program, but the Lord was actually infusing this into me. I can't explain it any other way. It was almost like like he was downloading data into me like I was a computer. <laughs> and um, I, I knew he wanted me to do this, and that he wanted me to use a format similar to what I'd been going through in this Protestant program, because I learned while I was there that it was filled with ex-Catholics, people that had left the Catholic Church, seeking to learn about Scripture, and they had gone to the Protestant churches. <laughs> and so um, over a period of time, Lord led me to people and places and things that, that happened uh, over a series of like nine years until finally, um, I kind of say, I like to say he pulled the rug out from under me because he gave me this, this format in my head about how to do it. But I kept thinking I was supposed to give this to somebody else. And I was working with people like Jeff Cavins and Scott Hahn and Mark Shea, and I kept thinking the Lord wanted me to give this to them, and they could do something with it because, you know, they were well-established in the church, and I was nobody. <laughs> and um, I kept, you know, telling um, people about it, and it just never developed. And then one day um, when I thought that all things were gone and it wasn't going to work and I failed the Lord and I failed to have this happen, um, the Lord, I was on my knees in prayer, and the Lord said, "Go to the phone and make a, uh, you know, make a uh, a proposition, tell about it." And I called Scott Hahn, and um, I told him all about it. And he said, "That sounds wonderful, Gail. Go for it." And I called the phone. And I said, "Lord, <laughs> I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> um, you you pulled the rug out from under. I didn't know I was supposed to do this, you know." And and Scott has said, "You, I think you used to do this." And so that's when I started it. And um, the whole thing was. Basically, over a three-year period, I had talked to many people in um, using um, the scriptures now to try to start a, a program in their parish, and all I kept hearing over and over again was, oh, I don't know scripture well enough to, to lead a Bible study group. I couldn't do that. And so the whole thing was put together to make it so that they could do it by giving them not only the wonderful in-depth commentaries, but the answers to the questions and videos done by a Catholic priests to wrap up the lectures, you know, and so they have everything they need, and they wouldn't have to do anything except find a place to present uh -huh. it, and, um, and you know, like Steve Ray likes to say, uh, open the box and pour in water and stir, it, and yeah. it's done. <laughs> done for them. That's... Uh uh, it's just, it's neat how the Lord has used you for that. And uh, uh, again, I encourage the audience to go to the the link on the on the uh, uh, deepinscripture.com website. It'll go right to Catholic Scripture Study, or if you want to go right to it anyway, it's cssprogram.net. Gail, I want to talk to you a question about reading Scripture, if you would. Um, okay. I mean, you admittedly say that for a good part of your life, Scripture wasn't a regular daily. Uh, you know, a sustenance for you. It gathered dust. And and you also admitted the fact that even though amongst Catholics, we always think of, well, the Protestants know their Bibles and we Catholics don't. Well, mm -hmm. I was a Protestant minister and a Protestant for 40 years and a minister for 10 of those and realized that I had to work real hard to get Protestants to read their Bibles. So it's not, a, it's not just a Protestant Catholic thing. But Many people I have met who have read the Bible in the past said, well, you know, I read that before. 
But talk about how the continual, not just the reading, but the rereading of the same verses over time are a vehicle for the reawakening, the continual conversion and work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Absolutely. I have seen that so often. For instance, I've done um, a study on, the, on Genesis three times, and every time I do it, something mm-hmm. new, I see something new. It's like God's Word has an endless, it's like a treasure trove full of jewels, and, and you can't dig to the bottom of it. It's like endless amounts of things, and that He speaks to us directly through His Scriptures, just like He spoke to me in these Scriptures that, that showed me what was going on in my life. And He will speak to us directly. And there's, there's just amazing to me how many times I have seen, I've read the same Scripture, and it and didn't see or didn't understand or it didn't jump out at me and then go back and read it again. And it's like I said, I just cry because it's just all of a sudden it just speaks to my heart and I understand it. And um, my husband and I, years ago, we decided, you know, people talk, we kept talking to people that had read the Bible and were doing studies, and we didn't really understand what it meant to read the Scriptures or to study the Bible. This was many years ago. And we decided to take it upon ourselves to read the Bible. And we did. It took us many, many months, and but we read it all the way through. And I might as well have been reading a grocery list because I didn't approach it in the right way. We didn't pray before we read it. We just picked it up as like a novel, you know, and didn't have the right heart in what we were doing, and and it didn't mean anything to us, and we didn't understand it. But again, becoming Catholic, my husband has said many times that reading the Bible and all, that he didn't really understand it until he became Catholic. And when you add the tradition that goes along with the, the written word, then it's like the puzzle pieces are inserted, and you see the full picture, and you finally understand it. And it's beautiful. And that's what we call the fullness of faith. Yep. And... You know, I love your thought about this. I, um, you know, I used to teach Protestant Bible study all the time, and uh, and myself even helped write a commentary for the Letters of John at one point. Only reason saying that I thought I knew Bible, I thought I knew how to teach it. I, I don't think there was ever a week in my life for the last the thirty years, twenty years before I became Catholic, where I wasn't leading a Bible study. But then when I became Catholic later, I started to discern and discover the unique difference between studying the Bible as a Catholic versus a Protestant. And to me, this is huge because as a Protestant, and I'd like your reflection on this, Gail, as a Protestant, I always thought in the back of my mind, the reason we're going to Scripture, the reason we're turning to Scripture is because we are going to sit down And as we're gathered with the Bible, we are going to discover what is true. So let's say we're going to study baptism, and we look up 15 verses on baptism. And between the three, four, five of us, we are going to discover the truth about baptism. On the other hand, oops, are you still there, Gail? Oh, I think we've lost Gail. Here, I'm talking away. And uh, why don't we take a break now? This would be a good time. Looks like we lost Gail. When we come back, we'll we'll, uh, have Gail join us after the break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your hope, Marcus Grode. I am joined today by Gail, Gail Buckley, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network.
The Coming Home Network International is a non-profit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. The Coming Home Network International and Marcus Grodi invite you to join us for our eighth annual Deep in History Conference coming this fall to Columbus, Ohio. This year, our focus will be on the authenticity of the sacred scriptures as we ask, how firm is your foundation? Join us the weekend of October 22nd as we bring together another exciting list of guest speakers. For more information, go to deepinhistory.com or call us at 800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined by Gail Buckley. We had a little little break up there before the, the break, but we're, we're back. Before I bring Gail back on, I've got a couple, another two more EWTN radio additions uh, to our radio family that I want to mention. WNOP 89.5 FM in Versailles, Indiana. Sacred Heart Radio Cincinnati has successfully put up their second Catholic radio station in southeast Indiana, reaching between the Versailles and Greensburg communities. Many thanks to Bill Levitt and the staff at Sacred Heart Cincinnati involved in this effort. And then also a big welcome to all our listeners now hearing EWTN Radio in Grafton, West Virginia, Dexter, Missouri, and Versailles, Indiana. All of you, welcome. Glad to have you as a part of the family. Gail, welcome back. Hi, Marcus. I'm sorry we got lost there for a minute. Oh, that's all right. I was in the middle of asking you thoughts on something. The the difference between Catholic and Protestant study, it seems to me that often from a Protestant standpoint, we went to the Bible alone, guided by the Scriptures, thinking that in our Bible study we were going to finally discover what was true. Mm -hmm. But from a Catholic perspective, we don't go so much to discover what is true because we recognize the Spirit has led the Church, but we see it fulfilled and fleshed out and and uh, and deepened in the study of Scripture, which is a part of the wider tradition. Is that what you found? Absolutely, I have. And um, there's just such a big difference. I, I, I tell my husband many times, I just wish I could explain to my Protestant friends what they're missing. It's, it's almost supernatural. It's almost like you can't even explain it unless you actually live it. But it's, um, it's so yeah. much deeper, so much uh, more beautiful than what I experienced as a Protestant, even in, you know, studying Scripture as a Protestant later on. Um, it's just, there's no comparison. Well, it, it, it really makes more sense yes. that, in other words, instead of seeing the Bible alone as the, the sole um, source, of, our source of it, it really doesn't make sense in the sense that so much of what the authors were writing in the New Testament they're assuming their audience already knows. Yes. And if you if you don't, if you separate that from the the apostolic deposit of faith, the wider context of one church uh, with a hierarchy and the sacraments, the, most of Scripture does not make sense, and you end no. up with with a shallowness of faith. That's right. In fact, uh, I was just this morning 
reading in 1 Corinthians where he says at the end of verse 11, about the other things I will give directions when I come. And it's like, Paul, why'd you quit writing? <laughs> right. But he, Paul's primary way of delivering truth to the people was face to face. That's right. Orally, that's right. And um, yeah, I just, it's, I remember in um, Protestant Bible study one time when we were in Corinthians and they were talking, Paul was talking about when they, um, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, isn't this the, you know, the Lord? And, and he said, this is why, you know, because you don't, um, I can't paraphrase, but because they didn't take it seriously and all, this is why some of you are getting sick and even dying. And we were just discussing that. And I was going through our CIA at the time, and I didn't know a lot, but I knew, you know, some, and I knew the true presence of Jesus. And they were saying, well, you know, they were bringing their own food to church, and and um, some of it is spoiled, and that's why they were getting sick and dying. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> you're losing. And it's because they don't even know. Because I didn't know. Yeah. I remember the first book I read that it kept talking, uh, you know, a Catholic book I'd read before my conversion, it kept talking about com- uh, Eucharist. I'd never heard the word Eucharist. We just <laughs> called it communion. And we had grape juice and wafers, and this we only did it four times a year in the Methodist Church. And, I, you know, it wasn't because, uh, I mean, I knew, th- I know that many others in the congregation knew what was going on, but I didn't. Uh, it didn't mean anything to me. But I didn't know what Eucharist meant, and... Um, I didn't understand, and so they don't know yeah. what the two teachings of the church are, and understand um, a lot about it, and so they can't understand those passages in the scriptures. Gail, Joel two twenty five. Mm-hmm. I will restore to you the years which the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Has God fulfilled that promise for you? Amen. <laughs> In abundance. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's been a number of years since he awakened you to that very verse. I'm thinking, I mean, it's never always just a bed of roses because there are some thorns in yeah. there. <laughs> but for our audience, what ways have you now years later seen that God meant more to this verse than you even imagined the first time you read it? Yes, I, you know, I really didn't know how he was going to go about it, and I, I still can't explain how he did, but <laughs> well, like I said before, he, he made me a new person, he gave me a new heart, he gave me a clean slate to start over again, and what he's given me is so, so such an abundance of life, such a fullness of life that I didn't have before, it just overshadows the years that I spent in the world and seeking the wrong things and, and after the wrong goals and materialism and all that, it just overshadows it so that those those years don't even, I don't even think about them. They're not important. And God has given me such a fullness now and, um, and bringing me home to his church where I, I have like, you know, the family, the, the church and the scriptures and the traditions and, and the liturgy. And there's just so much, you know, there's an abundance that, you know, it's like his um, scriptures. There's no end to the depth of it. And I'm just like swimming in it and loving it and filled with joy. I'm wondering, let's say someone is listening, just happened to be flipping through their channel and they heard us talking about this and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they are right now where you were, uh, and they feel that there's no way out, and they've got a Bible sitting at home gathering dust. Yeah. Uh, talk to them a little bit. What what should they do? What what can they do to uh, open the door for the Holy Spirit to change their life? Yes, I think they should just open their heart to the Lord and say, Lord, 
you know, I want to be a new person. I want you to change my life. I want you to take over my life and lead me the way you created me to be. Not the way I want to go, but the way you created me to be because I know that your, your uh, goal for me is much better than anything I could ever perceive for myself because it is. Because God has opened doors and done things for me that I could have never even dreamed that I would ever be able to do or that I could even but you know, this mm-hmm. were possible. And as scripture tells us, nothing is impossible for God. When I was in my old life, there were things I thought were impossible that, you know, they couldn't be changed. Nothing could happen. Nothing could fix it. But God can do anything, anything. And so all you have to do is ask him to change your life, to show you his way and tell him, I'm willing for you to take over my life. Just hand your life over to God and don't be afraid because he'll give you a better life than you could ever design for yourself. Um, and short of having them go out and buy a, uh, a CSS book or wait until your uh, <laughs> study Bible comes along, which I hope they'll consider, let's say they, they reach down that Bible from the shelf and dusted it off. You know, I, I'm convinced that the most read verse in Scripture is Genesis 1-1 because that's where everybody assumes you begin. Right. Where would you tell somebody to begin? To help, to help this conversion that you're talking about for them, if they were to open that Bible, where's one place you would suggest they maybe they should begin reading? Well, of course, I think all you know all people are, are familiar with John three sixteen that <laughs> the, you know God has given His only begotten Son that we might have fullness of life. But I think you know um, I think what they need to do is ask the Lord to show them where to begin. And because like we did with me, when I opened the Bible, I didn't know where to begin. I had no idea. And he took me directly to those scriptures. And it's not like I opened the Bible and I just stuck my finger somewhere and then read it. <laughs> um, that, you know, that doesn't work. Yeah, I don't advise anybody to do that. But ask the Lord to lead you to, to the scriptures he wants you to read. But certainly, um, of course, Genesis is always a word. But I think the Gospels, starting with... Yeah. Um, John, especially, is beautiful. And John is gorgeous and um, so deep, and, and yet it's, it's so many levels, you know, um, <laughs> that anybody can, you can, you can, you can um, wade in it, as they say, you know, ankle deep, and yep. then you can go in up to your neck, you know. But it's, it's a good place to start in the Gospel of John. It's a beautiful book. I've always had a very personal opinion about why Mark wrote his Gospel Um, and, uh, this, you know, this is just my complete, my opinion, it's Mm -hmm. uh, not based on any research is that there was a time in the book of Acts when we knew that Mark followed with Paul and then left Paul and Paul wasn't real happy about that, but Mm -hmm. but Mark left. It doesn't say why he left. And I've always thought that maybe one of the reasons was when Mark was traveling with Paul, hearing what Paul preached, he recognized that there was a need for a written document that put down the teachings and life of Christ as an evangelistic tool. And so that's why Mark left and sat at the foot of Peter to learn more of the direct stories from Peter and then put them down. My only point being, if you've never read the Gospels out there, John or Mark, Mark is so short of the four Gospels. You can read that thing in an evening. If you've never read the stories of Jesus, sit down with the Gospel of Mark in one evening with a cup of coffee, whatever it is, is your choice of drink, and uh, read it through prayerfully, though, right, Gail? Right, I mean, that's always the key. ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, yes. 
All right, and then... And is that why you uh, named your son John Mark? Well, <laughs> actually, it is one of yeah. the reasons that you I named like him. that book, yeah. <laughs> I've That's always wonderful. liked that book. That's and uh, Well, Gail, thank you again uh, for joining us on the journey home. I want to uh, draw everybody else. Tell them about your website again, what they find if they went to CSS. Yes, at cssprogram.net. Um, uh, you'll see, you know, we have um, samples of our studies um, that you can download the first lesson or whatever. And we also have videos of the priests that do the wrap-up lectures for each lesson in our studies. We have full-length studies, as we call them, 28 weeks, but we also have short studies for individuals who want to um, order a study. And it's all right there on our website. Like I said, if you scroll down the front page, you can see the samples. And there's also an introduction, a video that I tell about the the program All right. that you can click on. And anyone who joins that, become you're, you're becoming a part of a very, very wide committee of... Uh, 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 excuse me, of community yes. of Catholics all over the world that use CSS. Yes, and may I put in one more plug? Yes. Um, Steve Ray and I are going on a pilgrimage, a cruise to um, Greece and Turkey in uh, November, and that you'll see information oh, on our website. I'd love for people to join us for that because it's always wonderful. Well, the problem, though, I hate to say this in a row, but Steve Uh-oh. is so drab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know he's he's so laid back. Steve is he he's is so just, laid back and uh, shy. You know, <laughs> anyone listening to the programs heard anyone, Steve. No, well, we're he joking. Got more energy than anybody I know. And he just <laughs> is wonderful and fun to be with, and knows his scriptures. Well, that sure. would be a super cruise to be on yeah, with the two of you. Absolutely. So I encourage everyone to check that out on, on yeah. Gail's website. So Gail, thank you again for joining us on Deep thank in Scripture. Thank you, Mar- uh, Marcus. I enjoyed it very much. All right, God, God bless you and your work, and all of you. Thank you for for joining us on the program. I want to remind you that next time on the Journey Home program this coming Monday night. Our guest will be Mark Kowalski, former United Methodist pastor. He'll be joining us to talk about his journey of faith to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ, as well as how he discovered the Catholic Church and entered the church, and then how God has continued to use him after he's come into the church. I want to thank you again about this program about joining us on Deep in Scripture. If you go to the deepinscripture.com website, you'll find all kinds of neat things also. The archived programs, uh, we've been doing this for a number of years. There's links to the Coming Home Network International. Let's just see all the things that we do in our apostolate. Um, You can also watch this program live, broadcast on the internet. Uh, We have lots of resources. The reason we exist is to help you, anyone listening, have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ and His Church. There's lots of voices out there, even lots of Christian voices that contradict one another. All different opinions on what it means to follow Jesus. All different opinions on the Church or what it means, what we have to do to be right before God. All different opinions on how to understand Scripture. And many of them are contradictory. Well, one of our goals is to help the Church help you discover the fullness of faith in Jesus Christ and his church. So God bless you. Be with you next time.